0: Dev, thank you for the introduction. And likewise, everyone here, thank you for taking the time to uh, listen to this discussion today. I have been playing with uh, Omicsoft data and a lot of Kyogen's other curated content for the past uh, several months. And now we have this API, which uh, enables us to really systematically query this data. So I'm really happy to show you. What kinds of questions you can be asking, and also, um, these things can be automated if necessary. You can ask these on a much larger scale. I do have the obligatory disclaimer: everything I'm showing is intended for research only. But with that, in terms of the kinds of things that I want to discuss today, let's say you start with a gene like KRT16, and I'm sure that your scientists, your teams, all have biomarkers of interest. You all have reason to suspect that your gene of interest might be uh, a useful biomarker, a useful indicator. And then the question becomes, what diseases are they significantly differentially expressed in? What indications can you possibly uh, use and target? And so it's very easy in Omicsoft uh, to ask that question, to ask Given your gene of interest, where is it most significantly differentially expressed? And in the case of the API access, it's also really easy to count those things up and identify something like psoriasis as an indication of interest. Once you have that indication, you might also want to know what other genes are correlated with your biomarker, with your target. And in this case, again, it's very easy in Omicsoft, both the Studio GUI interface, as well as through API, to find genes which correlate or anti-correlate with your original target. And you can ask this question in any size of cohort. In this particular case, I'll be showing you how to use SQL to filter down. So you're only focusing on things of interest like psoriasis samples and skin. But if you wanted to ask much more broadly, that's also possible. Once you have a gene set of interest, once you have a signature, again, it is easy in OmicSoft to ask across thousands of samples and all of these pre-computed comparisons, is this set of genes enriched? Do I have genes that are matching in directionality? And can I perform statistics on those? And in this case, this is where we're simply taking many of those genes that were correlated or anti-correlated. And you can see that across all of these, we have a number of different comparison types because we're looking at a lot of different kinds of data. And this can include things like cancer. It can also include things like single cell analyses. So we can get information about things like cell type one versus cell type two. And likewise, all of this curated metadata is indexed. It's searchable. And you can use it to ask questions like, what are the most common comparison terms across some of these samples? And in this case uh, for psoriasis, it turns out that lesional versus non-lesional is the most common for this signature. Finally, are you able to perform some sort of larger meta-analysis? In this case, if you do have two large groups of samples, such as lesional psoriasis versus non-lesional psoriasis can you identify the genes that contribute the most to that change and here i'm just showing a very brief snippet where yes we can we can go ahead and use something like a a man whitney u test and systematically ask for every gene in group one and group two which has the largest effect size And once we have that, we can also then ask in things like single cell data sets and find out, are any of those genes uh, cell type specific? Are they tissue specific? So overall, what I'm hoping to do today is show you how you can use OmicSoft programmatic interface to answer those questions. Before I get into that, though, I do want to very briefly address what is the data underlying this? What kind of data do we manually curate and why do we do that? So I'm going to go ahead and start with a very brief introduction before jumping into a Jupyter Notebook and showing you uh, what you can accomplish uh, using these APIs. So first, what is public data? Why is it messy? And uh, the answer is... We're all human. Uh, I know that when I was a grad student, I was doing K562 chip Whenever I uploaded that data to Geo, when I was creating my data table in Excel, I just dragged and dropped. And now I had K563, K564, K565. It turns out that about a third of the time in any public data, there's some sort of typo or mistake that if a human is curating it, like the scientists that we pay, They can catch that, they can fix that because right away, they would know that I intended to upload K562 cells. But any kind of machine learning ingestion, uh, if a computer is the thing ingesting that, then you might have a lot more difficulty searching for those samples and finding them in a query. It turns out though, that about five to 10% of the time, there's something uh, more egregious happening. Uh, for example, there might be uh, mislabeled treatments, mislabeled samples. Uh, sample swapping is certainly a thing that happens uh, all the time. Uh, my personal favorite kind of thing that we actually take the time to look for is if there are differences between the metadata table that was uploaded to GEO versus the metadata table in the supplementary material, of the manuscript. Or especially, what if those authors publish future studies using the same data correct the new data, but leave the old data uncorrected. When we find these things, we reach out to authors and make sure that all of the data that we're importing and ingesting is accurate. And ultimately we apply that level of care to a lot of different data types at Kyogen. So Kaiogen Digital Insights, we have many different types of curated data, whether it's the curated research findings that power ingenuity pathway analysis and the biomedical knowledge base the curated variants that you can access, whether it's germline or somatic through products like HGMD, HSMD, and Cosmic. And then finally, the thing that I want to focus on the most today, which is our curated omics data. And here, uh, this is where we're going to show you what you can do with cleaned up, realigned and properly annotated controlled vocabulary data. And because we've been doing this for about 20 years, it turns out that we have quite a few samples that are available. There are 683,000 or so individual sequencing or other types of experiments that are available for these biological samples. And this spans thousands of diseases. We are in hundreds of tissues and we have several projects, both from the public in terms of SRA and GEO, but also in terms of consortia like TCGA, Target, Metabric. All of this data is imported very carefully. And we also import and perform pre-calculated statistical comparisons between things like disease versus normal, treatment versus control, resistant versus sensitive. And we make this available uh, in three ways. We have Omicsoft Studio and Land Explorer, these are our GUI interfaces that enable bench scientists like me or like other members of your team to just really quickly ask a question, find out, hey, is this really cool gene I discovered expressed in the tissue that I care about? If so, great, plan an experiment. But for the data scientists out there, we also have flat files so that you can ingest them into whatever tool you have. Or what I'll show today are the Python and R APIs that allow you to query our data via SQL, and then return it as a data frame, return it as a file, grab whatever slice you need, and manipulate it in whatever environment you choose. And ultimately, again, all of this data is very carefully processed, whether it is the metadata, which we are taking the time to manually curate. and harmonize into a controlled vocabulary so you can search across treatment terms, you can search across diseases, but also the data itself where we are extracting the signal. If it's bulk RNA-seq, we're reanalyzing it, we're realigning it. Everything gets normalized consistently and everything gets QC'd consistently. And then finally, all of those pre-calculated statistical comparisons, which enable you to change what kind of question you ask. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and shift over to the Jupyter Notebook. And I wanna go ahead and get into some of those questions and show you some of the things that you can be asking. Here in this Jupyter Notebook, which also should have been shared with everyone, uh, this can open in Jupyter. uh, It can open in your code editor of choice. Here, I'm just using Microsoft VS Code. But ultimately, uh, this file is going to contain code for Python. And we're going to run some queries. Before we uh, begin with this, I do want to point out that there are a number of contacts and resources available to you. In particular, if you are interested in arranging a training uh, or scheduling a one-on-one with me to discuss uh, Omicsoft APIs, uh, Kartik is our Omicsoft customer success manager. And he will make sure that you are put in touch with and equipped with what you need. In addition, we also have a very handy Omicsoft Getting Started portal. And this website will contain lots of valuable information, whether you're a completely new user or you happen to be an Omicsoft administrator at your company. Finally, I do want to point out that for the APIs, we do have plenty of documentation schema and query examples. So, here I'm going to go ahead and open that on screen because I want to show you that, in addition to the notebook that I'm showing you today, if we happen to go to Kyogen Digital Insights webpage and open the Omicsoft Lands portal, this is where you can see that we have a number of resources available. Not only do we have the very technical documentation, we also have some very handy curation cheat sheets, or things like uh, column definitions to look up what each metadata field means. We also happen to have these really nice ontology mappings. So if you happen to be using a public identifier or some sort of public mapping for tissue or disease state or cell types, we made sure to give you a table so that you can convert that into our controlled vocabulary. Otherwise, the main resources on this page are actually going to be these big links at the top. And the main thing that I want to highlight are the data model and schema. So in particular, the data model is how we organize all of the data across all of the lands. And this data model is consistent for every way we offer this content, whether it's through the studio interface, whether it's through the APIs, whether it's through flat files. And ultimately we organize all of the available data into those discrete sections. And also you can then look at the schema for all of these things. So let's say if you happen to be interested in uh, cancer, if you are looking at oncology and you want to look in TCGA, it's very easy to go to this database, open it up, see exactly what metadata tables are available. And then once you look up details for individual samples, you can see exactly how to link them together, whether it's through our sample indexes or other shared keys. Otherwise, all you really need to get started is your choice of a Python or our environment. And once you've installed the package, all you need to do is import it into your environment. You can import other functions that might be handy, such as in this case, uh, pandas, numpy, uh, some plot uh, options. And then you can just run this simple code query to get started. So in this case, by running this, it's going to give me a single sign-on. I can go ahead and click to verify that I am who I am. And once this signs in, then I am completely free to run any of these queries in this case in the Python environment. This also means that if you happen to have some convenience functions or other ways that you like to store or manipulate data, we can run those as well. So first is a given gene of interest differentially expressed in specific diseases. So here we have a question that I actually run into with a lot of users where they have biomarkers of interest. They have genes that they know they can target with a drug, but they don't necessarily know what diseases are affected by that gene. With that, one of the easiest ways to go about asking this question is to compare that gene and see in across all samples, where is it differentially expressed? One of the really powerful things about the Omicsoft API is we are actually able to ask across every single land, every single collection we have. So in this particular situation, we are actually asking a unified SQL query and we are going to get answers back from human disease, from mouse disease, from TCGA, from single cell data sets. And what we are asking is, how is this gene differentially expressed in our pre-computed disease versus normal calculations? And by restricting ourselves to only look at things with an adjusted p-value that's significant, a log two fold cutoff that's significant, we're able to get multiple results back. And also something that's important is by changing the gene name to be lowercase, we also will get both human and mouse results. So when we run this query, relatively quickly, we will be able to get all of the various disease states that this gene appears in, that it's differentially expressed in, And here, overwhelmingly, you can see that psoriasis is the most frequent disease that has significant uh, differential expression for this particular gene. As I mentioned, these queries are very easy to edit. So I can go ahead and alter this to also show you that I am, in fact, querying from multiple databases. So currently I have it selecting the disease state from the case in the case versus control comparison, as well as the gene name, and then to count up the number of comparisons. But I can very easily add this term for DB for the database. And then when I add this, I just need to change how I am grouping and ordering these samples, resend the query. And this should give me the same count, except now each individual indication is going to be split by the database that it came from. And although this is not necessarily how we would normally look at the data, it can be a really useful exercise just to see what are we able to access in a query like this. And so here you can see that the majority of these samples did come from this human disease database. Uh, So that is where we have the bulk of these psoriasis samples, 39 of those. But we also have indications from uh, things like lung carcinoma, where we're getting information from our collection of human oncology data. And because this is a data frame, it's very easy to launch tools, in this case, like Data Wrangler, where I can go ahead and look to see what diseases do we have, what uh, databases do we have. So here you can see that for the most part, uh, many of these are from OncoHuman, but we also have some data from TCGA. But overall, in terms of the identifiers, this is where we can just really easily scroll through and see exactly what we have. And so now that I've done that, I'm just going to close these extra panes and move on to the next question, which is what other genes might be co-expressed with my gene of interest? So once again, OmicSoft has all of these expression values from all of these samples. However, it might be a mess to simply ask for the correlated gene expression across everything. So because of that, it's Something that's very nice and powerful about SQL is we can select uh, exactly what we want to focus on. So in this case, we are selecting samples where the tissue is either going to be skin or epidermis, or we can require the samples to have an annotated disease state of either psoriasis, psoriasis vulgaris, or either of these control states. And then by asking in a specific collection, in this case human disease, we can go ahead and just submit a relatively simple query where through this nesting we are getting the correlation score for how these genes compare with each other in all of these samples. And once we run this, this is where we will wind up with a data frame, and we can very easily ask for the top 100 or bottom 100 uh, genes from this list. So here, when I run this, this is ultimately going to result in that data frame that I can again ask for the top 10 or bottom 10. And I can see here that I have things like krt16 perfectly correlating with itself, which is what we would expect. And we also have near-perfect correlation for other KRT genes. And so here, this is where we can see that we also have some alternative partners that may or may not be interacting, but they certainly have correlated expression. And so if we were interested, we could go ahead and look more closely at these genes, like uh, DSG3. And so here. In terms of this next question am i able to visualize this co-expression the answer is yes you can very easily use an omicsoft api query to ask for all of the samples that match these criteria and then provide the normalized gene fpkm for krt16 and dsg3 and then finally because you happen to be working in either python or r it's very easy to generate plots to show this correlation. In this case, I happen to be using Seaborn. But if you're using R, uh, the ggplot2 cookbooks out there online are fantastic. And again, it's very easy to just edit this query. So say I wanted to look at this other binding partner, like, or in this case, uh, correlated partner. So here I'm changing the second gene to SPR R1B. And here, I'm just running that query and getting that output as a plot. And very quickly, it should give us these results. In addition to looking at just one gene or a handful of genes, you probably will generate a signature. So for example, we just generated a potential signature using the top 100 and bottom 100 correlated genes with KRT16 in psoriasis uh, disease versus control samples. So now that we have these 200 genes in a signature, we can go ahead and ask across other samples, across other comparisons, uh, what other comparisons are enriched or have matches and uh, in the up or down direction for these uh, genes in the signature. And so here, this is where I have a query that I'm basically selecting a large number of table items. And once I have all of these samples, I am doing just some math to calculate how many matches or mismatches are present in both directions. And in terms of filtering, I'm also requiring that anything that I look at has to be significant. Once I have these comparisons, this is where I can run this query. And what I would get out is a data frame that tells me all of the different metadata terms where we were potentially enriched for this signature. In this case. The method that we're using for sorting is going to be by taking the matches and mismatches uh, and sorting in this case by the number of matching genes. But if you would rather uh, perform a uh, statistical test using contingency tables, you can very easily set up, say, a chi-square comparison, get a p-value and sort by that method. The other nice thing is it's possible to very easily change the query. So currently, I'm looking at every single comparison category. And we can see that in those comparison categories, the most frequent is treatment one versus treatment two. But we also have things like treatment versus control, disease versus normal, responder versus non-responder. And something that is always going to be true is sometimes your metadata doesn't fit neatly into any one of these categories. So that's why we have other comparisons. And in this other comparisons category, this is where we can also count up and see that the most common comparison using clinical metadata is going to be a lesional versus non-lesional statistical comparison. So with that, I'm actually going to be using that lesional versus non-lesional comparison moving forward. But just because I want to show that it is possible to tweak this uh, method, let's say that I want to go ahead and ask again using that gene signature, what if I focus just on the disease versus normal comparisons? So here I happen to include a comparison category variable where I'm essentially asking where the comparison category is like wildcard these comparison categories. So the reason that the query ran before is because the wildcard was the only thing present in that section. But here, if I run this again, looking only at disease versus normal, this should change the ultimate results that we get. And it would be interesting to see exactly how good was our gene signature the answer is pretty good. Uh, The majority of the things that we are getting here at the top are, as you can see, psoriasis lesional versus non-lesional. So this is definitely going to be something of interest. So at this point, you might want to ask, is it possible to then use OmicSoft Studio in order to group these cohorts, in order to select and compare samples based on any of our clinical metadata. So here, as I mentioned, I'm really interested in this lesional and this non-lesional comparison. And in addition, I want to be sure that of all of the samples that I'm looking at, I want to filter out anything that has a treatment. I want to make sure that I'm looking only at untreated samples. So to do that, again, using SQL, I can add filters where here, for example, I can go ahead and join tables for our clinical treatment status and also our clinical subject treatment. So treatment status in this case, Uh, this is where we are able to make sure that our treatment status is none. Or if we don't have that metadata term curated, we can require that the subject treatment term instead happens to be set to NA, none, no info, blank, or happens to be a null value. So doing this is going to filter out anything that happens to have a treatment that happens to have something like dipilumab added to that system. Then once we have those samples, we can also require that those samples have an additional metadata field. In this case, we're requiring sample pathology to be present. So sample pathology cannot be null and it cannot be NA. Then the final thing that we're going to do is we're going to ask for these psoriasis and psoriasis vulgaris samples, if they are lesional, we're going to go ahead and put those into group one. And if they are non-lesional, we'll go ahead and put them into group two. So by running this query, this is where we are just simply finding samples that match our extensive criteria. And we are then adding them to both of these groups. And in this case, We are finding 2,088 samples across all of these human disease samples. And they happen to be in group 1 or group 2. And it turns out group 1 has uh, roughly half, so 1,267. Finally, now that we have two cohorts, we can then ask, hey, what genes contribute to the major differences between lesional and non-lesional. And to do that, we need to actually pull all of the gene FPKM values for every single one of those 2,000 samples. But again, this is very easy and fast to do using SQL. So here, for this expression SQL term, this is where I'm going to go ahead and get the average of group 1 and group 2 FPKM, the median, count up all of the samples, and then try to get some of these uh, ratios to assess what's going on. And then also using SQL, we can just add some certain terms to make sure that we break ties. And once we pull all of this information, we can then very easily perform some sort of appropriate statistical analysis. So in this case, now that I have all of the terms to create a contingency table or all of the terms to create a comparison, I can perform something like a Mann-Whitney-U test to see between the lesional, non-lesional groups, what genes had the largest effect sizes on the distribution between those two. And here, while that is running, I'll also show that it's possible to then plot that result where in this case, I can go ahead and create a plot where the vertical here is the effect size for each of these genes, which is shown as a dot. And then of those, you may have an increase in expression of that particular gene, or you may have a decrease in expression of that particular gene when comparing lesional versus non-lesional. And finally, of those, this is where we happen to be sorting these by the overall effect size. So we can see that 96% of the time, uh, we have an overexpression of TNIP3 in the one of the groups over the other group. And these are just a short list of the top 10 most significant effect size genes that are contributing to the differences that we see between lesional and non-lesional. So again, very quick to run this, very quick to calculate this, very quick to create this. And once you've made it, nothing prevents you from creating loops to systematically evaluate all of your targets. Finally, I want to show whether or not we are able to get tissue or cell type specific genes out of that list. Because after all, once you have a potential list of interesting biomarkers, it doesn't make sense unless it happens to be expressed in the cell type that you're interested in, expressed in the tissue that you're able to target. And so for this particular example, this is where we can go ahead and take the significant genes from that analysis that I just run. And here, I am going to go ahead and just simply take those, get those top 100, which I'm showing here. And all of this is just simply to give me a unique gene index from each of those gene names. And now that I have these gene indices for those top 100 genes, I can now ask, in this case, in our human uh, single cell data, we split our single cell data into either human or mouse, and we also split them based on whether or not the platform had unique molecular indices or UMIs. So here we're actually looking at uh, single cell data, probably from 10X genomics or some other similar platform. And I'm asking ultimately for the percentage of cells expressing those top 100 genes across these tissue categories. So here we have central nervous system, gastrointestinal system, heart, liver, respiratory system, and skin as our overall tissue categories. So we can see whether or not the gene that we're interested in, is it present in skin where it might have a clinical effect on psoriasis? And is it also present in any of these other really important organ systems for toxicity? Finally, we can take advantage of the pre-computed Serrat objects that are present in our single cell lands and look across all of those pre-annotated cell clusters to see the percentage of cells expressing each of these genes in each of those clusters. And ultimately, we can return that as a data frame. So here, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I run this. And once we ultimately run this, then we can also go ahead and very easily create a pivot table out of that result. So here, this is just showing what the pivot table looks like, where we are grouping things by the gene name as well as the cell type category. And the numbers that we're plotting here are actually the percentage expression. In other words, what percent of cells for each of these categories express this particular gene? And this is where we can see that some of these genes happen to be more expressed than others or more commonly expressed than others. But even then we can see that 18% of bone cells express this particular item. Embryonic cells, we have around 30% expression profile. But this would be a gene that happens to also very frequently be expressed in skin. In addition to just pivot tables, you probably also might want to plot this. And so once again, it's very easy to then generate some sort of plot where we are able to look at these in, say, a heat map view. And this is where we can very quickly and easily scroll through If we want to, we can change how these are sorted, or if we would rather use the table in order to manipulate this, that can be done as well. And so here, this is where we can see that something like AH AHNAK2 has expression in uh, epidermal cells, but we don't necessarily have very frequent expression in some of these other important cell categories. Whereas some of these other genes might be more universally expressed and thus may not be a particularly great target due to toxicity. So just to summarize everything that I showed today, I showed you that you can use Omicsoft programmatic interface to ask using either Python or R questions like, is your gene of interest? differentially expressed in different diseases. And here, again, we're just taking advantage of the various comparison categories that we annotate and that we've pre-computed. And once we have that information, we can easily find that our gene of interest, KRT16, happens to be uh, significantly differentially expressed, very commonly in psoriasis. And in addition, once we look at those psoriasis samples as well as normal control samples from skin or epidermis, we can identify the top correlating and anti-correlating genes. And this is where, again, we can also plot those. Once we have a handle of which genes we're interested in, we can easily create a gene signature and perform various types of analyses with this signature. So here, we're taking advantage of Omicsoft's pre-computed comparisons to ask, when is this signature significantly enriched as uh, one of the differentially expressed genes in these studies? But if you happen to want to instead use that gene signature in other tools like ingenuity pathway analysis or taking advantage of other public databases, you certainly can. Because again, the flexibility of Python and R mean that you're able to then integrate this into whatever workflow you want. And so here, this is where I can very quickly and easily identify what comparisons have a similar gene signature. And then if I focus on a particular category, am I able to identify the metadata terms that show up most frequently? Finally, I can use that information to then perform a meta-analysis, where here, I just want to go ahead and look for the largest genes that are influencing the differences between lesional and non-lesional. And this can be any two groups or any number of groups. But once you start these comparisons, you choose what effect you wanna look at. In our case, we're looking at RNA-Seq FPKM, but in your case, you might instead be looking at mutational data or proteomics data. And again, Omicsoft has all of these data types available for your computational disposal. And so here, by identifying samples that match our study interests and fit into group one or group two, we can then pull the gene FPKM for these things and identify what the top uh, effect size genes are statistically by Mann-Whitney test. And finally, now that we have a list of those genes, we can then validate and verify which one of these genes are in fact expressed in skin and which one of these genes happen to also be expressed in organ systems that might influence toxicity or otherwise make them a poor choice for further development. And again, we can look at that using bulk data. We can look at that using single cell data. You can easily look at that using your own internal data if you happen to want to use your own tools. So ultimately, I hope what you found today was useful, but I also know that it's very likely that you will need to uh, follow up. You will be interested in looking at some sort of custom example. So please feel free to contact us in particular. uh, Kartik, I've placed his email address here. He is more than happy to help you uh, find out uh, what specific needs, Uh, you'd like to address, and then to uh, reach out to me and make sure that we can set up a demo and create some custom use cases and show you exactly what research you can accomplish. Otherwise, I thank you all for your time today, and I will turn it back over to Dev.
1: Thank you, Kyle. A uh, quick request to all of our attendees, uh, please provide us with feedback, feedback in terms of what you might have liked about this training, what you think we should do different in future webinars and trainings and such. And also, as many of you guys have already been doing, there's a QA box at the bottom of the screen. Please submit your questions if you have not done so already. We'll be taking some live right now. So starting with first question, can we separate microarray data from RSEC?
0: That answer is yes, you can. So it turns out that when we look at the organization of the data in Omicsoft, we have separate tables for expression intensity, which is what we group all of our microarray data into, as well as uh, FPKM, which is what we use for our bulk RNA-seq data. So here, just to show that, I'm opening our documentation and on this website, this is where I'm going to go ahead and scroll down to our OmicSoft content. And within our OmicSoft content, I'm going to pull up the data model because this will help show that for expression information, in this case, microarray, we make it possible for you to get gene level expression information. If you want to focus on the probe level expression instead, you can. And then finally, if you just want to look at the probes themselves, you can. That would be in contrast to our bulk RNA-seq data, where we have both gene and transcript level information, as well as some really useful things for uh, fusion and exon data, if you happen to be more interested in some of the alternative splicing patterns that are out there. And then also, one of my favorite categories is actually this RNA-seq mutation, because we're sequencing every gene in the genome for all of these hundreds of thousands of samples. So this can be a really useful resource to then scan and see what are the most frequent mutations and are any of those mutations uh, significantly associated with one disease or cohort versus another.
1: Wonderful. And to our attendees, as Kyle has repeatedly mentioned, this doesn't have to be our last interaction. Uh, If you guys need for the clarification, trainings, one-on-ones, reach out to us, we are happy to set them up. Another question, can you explain how the gene list rank after meta-analysis? So
0: gene list is ranked after meta-analysis. Sure, so for that particular notebook example, this uh, is where we are performing uh, this Mann-Whitney U test. And the results that we are pulling out here Uh, We happen to be just simply telling our table to sort them by effect size. And in this case, an easy way to figure out what that effect size would be to say, follow this uh, Wikipedia link, which I feel a little bad for providing, but I'll be honest, I need to look at this as a cheat sheet sometimes myself. And this is where we can get some information just about what does a common language effect size mean. And this is where we can see that if you have a sample appearing uh, larger in one versus another, nine times out of 10, then that means the effect size will be 90%. So in this case, that effect has to be consistent in direction. So here, TNIP3 is going to be larger in one versus the other, 96% of the time. And then using the values that we've calculated for group one and group two, we can see which of those two happen to be the largest of the two.
1: Wonderful. Uh, From the same attendee, can and how we export the meta. So basically how can we export the meta analysis result uh, out of here and how can we do additional analysis on top of them?
0: Oh yeah, that's a great question. So here, because this data frame happens to be in running memory. So here, if I just hit DF, let's see. So I've calculated the item for all of these as a part of this data frame. So in this case, you can see that overall, we have 60,699 rows because this is actually corresponding to every single annotated gene that we have in our uh, gen code gene model. And for all of these, we have an effect size. And so you can very easily export this table. So here, because I happen to be looking at it in a data frame, um, the way that I would probably export this is we have a function that I don't actually have written down right now, but Rather than saving as a data frame, we also have functions to save to CSV. So if you would rather download the data, uh, you can. If you want to compress the data on our server before executing that download, we support that as well. Otherwise, since it is a data frame and you are looking at this data presumably within Python or R, you can do whatever statistical analyses you want on any of this.
1: All right, wonderful. Um, this one is actually from. Uh, was there more you were going to cover, Kyle? Sorry.
0: Uh, no. In this case, I just was curious, so I happened to just load up that data frame to, to see if there are other things that say stuck out. Great. Again, we all of these tools we have access to. So. All right.
1: Um. Yeah. So feedback from the attendee. This is great. So that's great. Um. Question from uh, me, in this case, based on our customer interactions, right? So many times, uh, you know, customer can need help for a variety of things. So sometimes it can be like, hey, you know, we are liking how you process data in uh, Omicsoft. Can we process our own data using the same pipeline? Is there like services for that? Is there services for uh, building lands? What would be your answer for that?
0: Uh, My answer would be absolutely, and you should contact us so we can discuss what level of help you want. If all you need is a little bit of help just writing some queries, honestly, you can just shoot us an email. We're more than happy to help you out and help you get started. If you're at the point, though, where you want to actually build a custom pipeline and you want our scientists who know this system inside and out to help build it for you, Uh, our services team is more than happy to work with you to figure out the scope and the deliverables and what you wanna accomplish. So we definitely have the full range of support available, uh, whether it's just answering a few questions as quickly as we can, or supporting you on a long-term project.
1: Okay, and in that regards, I'm also pasting link to our services flyer in case you guys wanna check out. And Kyle, you have done this two times already, but one last time, uh, can you just quickly go over the follow-up resources in terms of technical
0: help, contact info, and uh, such? Absolutely. So at the very top of the Jupyter Notebook, which should have been shared with everyone, but also at the back of the PowerPoint, there will be a number of these contact emails. Worst case scenario, shoot me an email. I'm more than happy to make sure that your questions go to the right place, or to answer them myself if I can. Otherwise, the best place to ask for any kind of follow-up training or demo or uh, custom implementation would be to ask Kartik. Um, He is there to make sure that anything Omicsoft gets addressed as quickly as possible. Otherwise, Technical questions uh, can be answered very quickly by our tech support, which is ts-bioinformatics at kiajin.com. Because we are a global company, there are people monitoring that inbox 20 hours of the day. And I'll be honest, whenever I get a question that either I'm not sure about, or if I want to be absolutely certain I'm giving the right answer, I'll always forward that question to TS Bioinformatics, because that's going straight to our scientists. And then finally, we also have sales and licensing support, which hopefully you guys are all already customers, right?
1: Kyle, I forgot one question that came actually early on, and that would be a very good question uh, right now. So when you were showing correlation, uh, one of the attendees asked, like, you know, is there, is it possible to perform network
0: analysis, you know, once we find correlation between genes? Uh, That answer is going to be yes. In this case, though, you might have to uh, use a number of different tools that you might have available to you. So because we have a correlation score for all of these genes, this is where we very easily might be able to answer questions uh, like, uh, are there any kind of statistical associations with them? For network analysis, though, Uh, That's where we actually have two options that might be particularly of interest. One of them would be ingenuity pathway analysis. This is arguably one of my favorite tools because it makes it easy for a scientist who's not necessarily a bioinformaticist to look at a large number of genes. And so here, if I go ahead and say, try to quickly copy out these gene names. Let's see what I am able to get. And while I happen to be just super quickly playing around with this question, um, there's also going to be another way that you can access this type of information. And Ingenuity Pathway Analysis just happens to be one of the resources that we have available. We also have the full-blown biomedical knowledge base that powers IPA. So here, if I happen to be searching for just these gene symbols that I just pasted in, I can go ahead and very quickly and easily add them to a pathway and discover whether or not any of these have relationships with each other or if they have relationships to diseases I might be interested in. And that's where I would wind up just using, say, some of these tools to find out connections between these things based on the literature. So here, I can see that there is a protein-protein interaction between KRT6C and KRT16. Or alternately, I could then pull up a disease that I'm interested in, like psoriasis. Here, I actually need to just close this window before searching. And so now, if I'm looking at psoriasis, again, this is using all of our curated knowledge. And that knowledge comes in the forms of both the expression data in Omicsoft, as well as the relationship data present in the biomedical knowledge base. So here, I'm just showing a GUI approach to find connections from this group of genes to psoriasis, just very quickly for the purposes of this demo, adding those direct connections, and then also adding intermediate connections. And if you can imagine getting this kind of information out of a GUI interface, given that today we are looking at uh, APIs, It only makes sense to show as well that if you would rather look at this kind of information from a GUI, or excuse me, from a coding perspective, we also have the ability to programmatically access that. So here I happen to be just loading some uh, BKB use cases. This is where let's say I happen to be interested in looking at connections between uh, genes and diseases or genes and potential mechanisms of action. Here, I happen to be pulling up a example of atopic dermatitis, which is very similar to psoriasis. And here, in addition to being able to programmatically use uh, our knowledge base to address questions like what upstream regulators are connected and can I build a network uh, for the mechanism of action of my drug, That answer, again, is yes, you can perform that network analysis in a API window through Python, through R, uh, through whatever tools you want.
1: Okay, wonderful. Um, In addition to what we already covered, there are some questions about things like recording and other resources. Uh, for recording, I have pasted the registration link for this webinar in the chat box. After this training is over, a little after a while, you can actually click on that link, fill up the info, and watch the recording. It will be also sent out in a follow-up email. And then there's a question about things like Jupyter Notebook and whatnot. So if you need something like that, uh, just provide us with your info, and we are happy to um, reach out to you. We will wait about 30 more seconds in case anyone is typing any additional uh, questions, feedback, et cetera, et cetera. As always, we really appreciate you guys joining today's uh, webinar and participating through so many questions. Thank you to Kyle for this wonderful presentation. Thank you to Brittany, Joe for answering licensing as well as uh, technical questions in this webinar. And uh, yeah, as Kyle is pointing out, like feel free to reach out to, us. especially I'm I'm a little bit worried because many of you guys had questions about um, access and whatnot. So if your institution has access, we definitely want to connect you to the right people. So yeah, do reach out to us. All right, so I don't see any more questions. In this specific case, we will Stop the recording.